House of Representatives. Congressman, how are you? I'm doing well, David. Thanks for having me today. Well, thank, thank you for coming back. I just want to tell your bio briefly. I, I hope I don't embarrass you, but it's, it's for those who, who don't know you. You're, you're 38. You're a Rhodes Scholar. You, you work for the State Department in Afghanistan, advising General Petraeus. You, you ran the Iraq desk for the National Security Council in the White House. Is, is there ever a time when you look at other members of Congress and realize you've, you've got to be at the top of the intellectual food chain in Washington? Well, look, I, I, I feel very humbled to work a job whose job description has been in the Constitution of the United States. And despite what you just said about my background, well, what I'd also add is I'm a, I'm a public school kid from my district. I, you know, I did my entire K-12 through in the public school systems of New Jersey. I'm a son of immigrants. So for me to be a son of immigrants, married to an immigrant, a public school kid, to now be a representative in Congress, I feel humbled. So, you know, look, it's about the impact not just about the resume, but it's about the impact of what it is that I can try to achieve for my district that drives me. And, um, you know, that's really the only measure by which uh, anyone in Congress should be uh, should be looked at by their, their voters and their constituents. And, and so, Congressman, and, and, and I say this with the utmost respect and, and, and with much simpatico, I mean, you, you are, are seen by some, some to be a, a bit of a nerd. And I mean, you, you, you play the guitar and you sing Beatles songs at your campaign fundraisers. And in the middle of the night after the events on January 6th, you were, you were helping to clean up the Capitol Rotunda. And you just seem entirely comfortable in your own skin. And, and, and that's rare. Do you, do you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, look, what I'll say is that, um, is that if ever there is one, encapsulation of my political strategy it's it's to just be me to just make sure that this job doesn't change who i am and um that i I don't lose touch with why it is that i ran for congress in the first place which is because i'm a dad you know i never thought that i would run for office so you know for me to do this it's because i think that this is my best way of trying to be a dad you know fight for my kids and so I just, yeah, I just try to be myself and um, just try to, to make sure I'm anchored in. And look, if I don't remind myself uh, of that, my wife, my wife certainly will <laughs> remind me that if I start to, if my, my ego or my ambition starts to inflate, uh, she'll definitely bring me back out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because I, I had always been taught, I haven't always followed it, but I've always been taught that, that. Good government is good politics. Is is it? Can you add to that now that authenticity is good politics? Uh, yeah, I certainly think that that's that's part of it. Um, you know, I, I think about a line actually that I learned from a boss of my State Department where he said, you know, you don't have good government unless you have good people working in government. And uh, you know, I, I really think that that's what really the American people want. You know, they want someone that that's going to be earnest about serving them and. And, and, and public service, and they're frankly, I mean, especially in my district, in Burlington County and Ocean County, I mean, they're fed up with just, just the, you know, the, the corruption and, and that kind of approach of politics. So, you know, the, the more that it's not just about being authentic, because you can be authentically, you know, egotistical and ambitious, <laughs> and, and, and I don't think that that's what people want. I think what they want is to know that someone genuinely wants to serve and is in it for the right reasons and not putting themselves before the job. And I think that that's partly why people resonated with that photo of me cleaning the Capitol floor. I mean, look, I, I, I didn't realize I was being photographed, but I think that that's why the photo uh, sort of 
carries a feeling of authenticity there. And what it shows is something that my mom taught me, which is that there's no job beneath me. You know, there, there's, there's nothing that, that I'm unwilling to do. It's just about getting the job done. And I think that that's what a lot of folks want right now. And I'm speaking with Congressman Andy Kim of New Jersey. Congressman, this week you voted to create a bipartisan commission to investigate what happened to the Capitol on January 6th. What do you hope this panel accomplishes? Well, what I wanted to, to set forth is, is to understand what the truth is of that day. You know, right now we, we live in a time where we're losing touch with that understanding of shared truth between us. You know, there, whether it's through disinformation or the fact that everything else seems to be colored through partisan lenses, that people don't know what to believe anymore, especially when it comes to that day. Because, again, it just, you know, it's a matter of, you know, are you hearing it from the Democrats or the Republicans? We need to have some truth. What we recognize, and I think most Americans that saw it on that day, recognize that that day was not an ordinary day. That day is, in fact, one of the darkest days in our democracy's history, and it deserves to be treated with respect to the magnitude of, of that moment, and we need to have some truth. And I have some colleagues saying, like, look, like, let's just turn the page. You cannot turn the page of American history until you actually write the page, and we need to write that truth. And I just say, you know, let truth be truth. Let's have a commission. It is the best chance that we will have of having some type of authoritative body that will have the respect of the country. It's the best shot. I'm not going to say that it will immediately get the respect of our country, but it's the best shot that we have during these divided, tough times. And we've got to try something so that we understand and document what happened on that day. And it's five months, nearly five months have passed since that day. Or As a member of Congress, do you feel safe in Washington, D.C. right now? Wow, it's, uh, I guess I didn't even realize it's been five months. It feels ever-present. Um, you know, I, I still feel that day uh, as I walk around the building. There's, you know, really not a day that goes by where I don't have some reflection upon that day. Uh, I, I will say that right now I, I do feel safe. Um, I, I, uh, but, uh, you know, there's always the unexpected nature. I mean, I felt safe on January 5th. I felt safe, frankly, on January sixth in the morning. Um, but, you know, it, it was clear that I didn't understand the full challenges that we faced. And, you know, I did, you know, support efforts to try to increase security at the Capitol this past week. Um, uh, so, you know, there's more that we can do. But I, I don't want to make it sound like, you know, I'm constantly living with, you know, with fear in sure. me. I mean, there, there, there's definitely, you know, I, I definitely am I'm concerned that, that in general, our, our climate in America right now is so toxic and I can foresee that having impacts um, on our politics, of course. But in terms of my day-to-day, I, I, I do feel safe when I'm there. I, I do feel like we're taking precautions. I do think we need more precautions, but uh, I'm not going to try to um, exaggerate the situation. And, and we talk about what the, the climate's like. Uh, I want to ask you about one specific thing, which is uh, uh, Asians and, and Americans and Pacific Islanders have faced uh, uh, a rash of incidents of racism and, and hate in this country. Yeah. You are uh, you're the first Asian-American to represent New Jersey in Congress. You're one of four Korean-Americans in, in Congress. Do you feel a certain sense of responsibility to be the, the lead spokesman on three this issue? Three stations, three minutes to your next Fox News 3030. I, I do. I, 
I do feel a responsibility. I mean, I, just, I feel a responsibility as, as an Asian-American, as a, as a father to two Asian-American baby boys. And, you know, I've shared recently a story about how my five-year-old came home one day and told me a bigger kid kept calling him Chinese boy, Chinese boy. And, um, you know, and, and just him kind of confronting perhaps the first experience of discrimination that he faced. And my sadness as a father, knowing that he will face likely many more instances like that or potentially even worse. So, you know, I, I do feel like this is a historic moment. I've never seen a moment like this before where there's so much attention on changes that Americans are facing. So I feel a, a need to try to, to raise that up and try to make the most of this moment because I know that our country has a short attention span and that it's only a matter of time before we move forward on other things. So I'm trying to get as much done as I in this moment. Um, so, uh, you know, what I say is that in my district, you know, we stand up against hate in all forms. And, you know, whether it, I'm going to stand up on, on this, I'm going to stand up for, uh, you know, like I did in the aftermath of George Floyd's murder last summer. You know, we're going to keep working together and make sure that we're we're trying to address these deep, deep challenges that we face uh, in every way we can. And I'm speaking with Congressman Andy Kim of New Jersey. You, you spent your first two years in Congress with Donald Trump in the White House. Now it's it's Joe Biden, who you have close ties to, uh, uh, the executive branch full of Obama White House alums like you. I mean, I think but Tony Blinken was your boss. He's now Secretary of State. You and, and Pete Buttigieg were Rhodes Scholars together at Oxford. You have an enormous number of connections right now. Uh, in Washington. How do these connections help your constituents? Well, it helps in terms of, you know, being able to talk directly to the, the Secretary of Veterans Affairs to be able to talk to him about, you know, the challenges that we're facing in Ocean County with the large veteran population there that's just, frankly, not getting the, the health care treatment that they need and deserve. And I'm pressing forward on that and trying to make sure we're addressing that. It helps where I can raise you know, the infrastructure problems that we have in New Jersey. And, yes, it's about gateway, but it's about many more things as well, just making sure that D.C. understands that. I don't want them to just, you know, box a gateway and then come with New Jersey, and there's a lot of things down in in South Jersey and the shore that we need to address, too. So, you know, being able to talk to, you, you know, Secretary of Transportation or others about this, and, you know, frankly, just, you know, making sure that, that we're, we're getting this in the mix and, and finding the right ways to, to kind of connect those dots. I'm not going to promise that any of these connections are going to be able to draw a red, you know, dark red, you know, black line to, to, to fixing these problems because we have a lot of challenges with large, you know, with just even getting funding through in Congress amongst other issues. But it helps me put it in the best possible position for success. And I'm trying to use, uh, I'm not ashamed to try to use every and all tactic that I can to be able to deliver for my constituents and, you know, continue to do that. And let me, we're, we're unfortunately running out of time. I feel like we could go on forever. But but I, I want to ask you one question regarding your district, the, the Jersey Shore part of your district. Uh, what's your what's your prognosis uh, uh, now that, that many New Jerseyans have been vaccinated? What's your prognosis of the economy at the Jersey Shore this summer? Yeah, well, look, I mean, we, I, I was actually just at a town hall on this the other day, and we had the, uh, you know, the director of tourism for Ocean County uh, on that, and, you know, they're, they're, they're feeling very hopeful. And as am I when I go out to, you know, Seaside or Lavalette or elsewhere, you know, they're feeling hopeful that, you know, that we're going to come, 
um, that, that people are feeling it. I mean, I, I, from my experiences being out there over the last couple of days, being out, you know, I think there's a hunger in our country right now to, to, to try to get back to, uh, you know, being around people and, and that kind of effort. So I'm hopeful that we'll be able to have a very successful shore season. Um, you know, I'll be honest, we are having some trouble when it comes to, um, you know, hiring up the workforce, and that's something I'm working with uh, Ocean County on, trying to find ways to be able to, to support small businesses. I'm the only member of Congress from New Jersey on the Small Business Committee, so I'm not going to, you know, say that, that everything's uh, exactly where we want it to be, but um, I think that there's an energy out there, and I'm hoping and, and praying that, uh, you know, our businesses out there will have the, the best possible success, especially after the the, the tragedy of last year's uh, summer season, we can't afford to to have anything less than 100% this time around. Well, we all have our fingers crossed for the Jersey Shore and for the rest of the state. Congressman Andy Kim, thank you again for, for joining me on the New Jersey Globe Power Hour.